is the main satellite. The main satellite. You motherfuckers hear that? The main satellite. topic we're going to be talking about black male stigmas but before we get started on that i'm going to let everybody introduce themselves my name is brody i'm from a place called goldsboro north carolina i currently live in winston-salem north carolina happy to be a part of the main satellite happy to be a part of this journey yeah what up is wayne y'all gonna call me dub tonight though d-u-double-b coming <laughs> in from the atl shouting it was truly Terrence Johnson. I'm from uh, born and raised in North Carolina, um, resident of North Carolina, also known as the Alpha Executive. Glad to be here. And you know me, um, Mark Tamarcus, or everybody else who knows me, um, aka the Black Panther, aka the Black Skull. <laughs> somebody called me that today. <laughs> somebody called me that today, man. He said I look like the Red Skull, but black. So I'll take it. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Goldsboro, North Carolina, but right now I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Been here for ten years, so uh, <laughs> in the Queen City. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a king. I'm a king in the Queen City. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I could. I'm, I posted that. I like that. <laughs> that reference. So, yeah. like, like we said before, this um, this episode we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about black male stigmas. And um, I'm gonna let Wayne get us kicked off on that. Yeah, so you know, black male stigmas. You know, we we all heard of them. We black men, you know, we for black men. So, you know, it black stigmas is no stranger to us. You know, we may navigate a little differently from time to time, but we all know what they look like. I mean, they piss me off. You know, um, just to give you an example of what I mean by black male stigma, and when I'm talking about that, I mean like an experience that you feel like you have only because you a black man. Now, I ain't talking about black stigmas. I ain't talking about black people. I'm talking about the black men. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the fellas. So, like, just went off the top of my head, one that I know I face. I mean, I know everybody faces it. That's a black man at some point. You know, walking past somebody and they they think you're going to hurt them. You know what I mean? The old... Uh, the old uh, Purse clutch, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The, the, mm-hmm. the shift the bag to the other side of, you know, or the, or the, um, you know, make sure they hit that, that door lock when you walk by their car, those type of things. You know, those are the type of examples I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure, you know, we're going to get more in depth and tune, you know, they're going to get a little raw. I can tell by Terrence's face, he got some definitely ones, some good <laughs> ones on his mind, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, clutching that purse, you know, I hate that shit. I know y'all hate it. What y'all think? Yeah, I'll be honest. It, it definitely bothers me that we have to be very conscientious of all the decisions we make and how we move and and shake. And, and we can get into it a little further later. I'm going to throw a term out there, code switching. And uh, code switching is something that we have to do all the time as African-American men, mm-hmm. black males. We have to constantly read the room, constantly figure out, okay, can I be, you know, I got to yeah. make sure my terminology, my vernacular, right? Everything is right. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, like everybody else, everyone else here, I've experienced 
um, racism uh, because of what I am and how I look and my complexion and all that, you know? And uh, yeah. I can't say that I've, I mean, other than like uh, broad strokes, I can't say that I've experienced a whole hell of a lot on a consistent basis. But, well, speaking in terms of broad strokes, I have. But uh, what you were speaking about a moment ago about the, uh, the the switch with the purse and thing, that happens to me all the time. I don't have a car. I haven't had a car for a while. So I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of jogging, do a lot of running. I use my feet to get wherever I need to be whenever I can. So, um, traveling whenever, man, old yeah, when, school. <laughs> yeah, when, whenever it's possible, I do that. And as a result of that, um, I encounter uh, a lot of people, and a lot of those people are obviously white, although it does happen with black people of a certain sort every now and again, but mostly it's white people with the purse being switched on the other side. And I tell you, every time it happens to me, I think, do you really think if I wanted it, I couldn't have it? I could have it, I could have anything you have on. It's an infuriating thing, but I have to say, as I've gotten older, it's become more tiresome and exhausting than anything else. I don't get angry about it too often anymore. Not that particular thing, um, but there was a time when I might want to walk closer or I might want to, you know, walk them past and I just switch up a little bit. They don't know which way I'm fucking going. Where's it going? You know, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Um, I don't I try not to let that let that particular thing bother me anymore because, you know, it's something that's just going to it's going to happen. And it's that sort of behavior is. That these people are immersed in certain beliefs and that sort of behavior is ingrained in them. When it comes to that, there are bits that get to me more even now still, but that's the one that I experience probably most, uh, probably right. most often. Yeah. When it comes to that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's something that, um, you know, is common, you know, people clutching their purse and uh, locking their doors whenever I'm near their, their ride or something like that. But one that really gets under my skin is I'm a runner. And when I go running, yeah. like I, I, you know, I'm saying I'm, <laughs> I encounter a, a white person. You can tell they tense up. They may move to the other side of the street. Uh, a lot of times I might cross the street because you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like I'm more afraid of you calling the cops on me than you are of me. You pose more of a threat to me than I pose to you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, mm -hmm. oh okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, speaking like you talking about running, I mean, because, you know, um, that's another one. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could throw that out there. I mean, I, I don't want us to, like, stick to the sugar coat level. I mean, you know, um, people thinking you don't participate in certain sports because mm -hmm. you're a black man. Yeah. Like, what? You you play racquetball? Huh? <laughs> Really? Like, yeah, I play racquetball. You know, I play tennis. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. Like, they only expect you to play, you know, the main two. You know what I'm saying? Either mm -hmm. basketball or football. Like, mm -hmm. I know you, or that, and that's the flip side of that. Like, I know you can ball. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll hit you with the, I know you, I know you can ball, especially mm -hmm. if you a tall black man. And that's if you're tall. Kinda, yes. Oh, you play ball? Who you play for? Like, mm -hmm. if you saw a tall, if you saw, I'm not even tall, tall like that. I mean, I'm 6'2". So I'm pretty sure if you saw a 6'2 white guy, you wouldn't just automatically be like, oh, do you ball? Like, no. you wouldn't no. automatically think that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's another one of them, you know what I'm saying? That's a mm -hmm. stigma. Like, every black man, you know, if, if, if he plays a sport, he only plays one or two sports. And then if he plays another sport, it's kind of like, 
they want the backstory to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how yeah. did you get in, introduced mm-hmm. to that? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? How did I get introduced? How does anybody get introduced? You know what I'm saying? They either seek it or they stumble upon it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they want like that. Uh, uh, what's that movie with uh Sandra Bullock? Um, the Blind Side. Had, the black. They want that kind of story. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. I was a poor kid in the ghetto, and this and this and this white lady from the server saw me almost mug somebody and she decided to take me in and try to change my life. You know what I'm saying? Like they want a bat story. Like how'd you get into racquetball? Like mm-hmm. what, what made you want to play that? What makes what anybody want to play anything, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or any other sport, you know, if you'd be like, yeah, I play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at you like, do how I did, how, did, <laughs> how did you as a black in their mind, they're like, how in the world did this black man get introduced to a culture of lacrosse? You know what I'm saying? That's, mm-hmm. I know this was going because you could see it. You could see it registering on their forehead. They're trying see. to figure out how you got in that point in life. But I see. And, I think. I think what it comes down to a lot of times is people like to be able to compartmentalize. So when they see you, and you are a six two, six three, six four black man, immediately they think in their mind he must play basketball. He must play some sport where he uses that to his advantage. But in all actuality, in the corporate world, the taller CEOs, white men, they're generally taller. So you'll notice most of the CEOs in most Fortune 500 companies, they're taller, about 6'2", six, 6'1". Six, so tell me, how did that stigma, you know, we got to really think about the origin of this, right? So why is it that a taller African-American person must play a sport? They must use their body for some type of financial gain. But a taller, more pronounced body structure for a white male is more geared towards financial success in the, in, in the business world. And so those are just those stigmas. And that could be a stigma that I have. That's a stigma. That, that's one in itself. Yeah. That could be a stigma yeah. I have as well. And the other side of that is, as you mentioned earlier, Wayne, African Americans can swim. Black people, <laughs> black males mm-hmm. and women. Yeah, exactly. Some, like they, some, they don't think we know how to swim and golf. Right. We were mm-hmm. some of the first golf players, believe it or not. Well, you know, and a, a lot of them, it's not just from outside of our own demographic you know what i mean it's either amongst ourselves or mm-hmm. from our black women also you know what i'm saying be like you can swim you know what i'm saying <laughs> like yeah i mean you may not be able to but just because we share a skin tone that automatically mean that i can't you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um you know that whole that whole stigma of you know um black men are are, are athletically uh, more inclined or better in in physical attributes. You know what I mean? That's that's one that that hits hard. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you can't do those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, I don't ball. When you were speaking about that a few moment, a few minutes ago, man, I thought about that. So, um, I'm a pretty tall person, uh, six two and some change when I'm standing up straight. And that's something that I've been asked my entire life, especially when I really started getting high on me. When I was a little kid, uh, when I started, do you play any basketball? Or sometimes I'm asked that now. And uh, the times that I've said, I can shoot around, I'm no good at basketball, you know, they don't tend, if it's a white person, or a lot of times it'll be another black person, they don't tend to believe me. So in, in, the, in the situations when it's occurred that I've been in a place and we can get on a court and they, they, don't, they don't believe that I really don't play basketball well when they see I'm fucking hopeless I am on a basketball court but I get out there and I have a good time and um like you were saying a moment ago it, it it is something that we have to be aware of when it comes to white people but we also have to be very aware of it when it's coming from within it's coming from right. within. and you'll be clowned you'll be made fun of you are you got all that hype 
and you can't play basketball or you have all that uh, all that girth and you can't play football or you know yeah why is it that a person just can't be a person people who look like us black men or black women or black people can't just be into what they're into they may be built like a like a like a brick house shit house uh a brick shit house but they may like to play chess or they may like to play video games or they may be a swimmer or they may be a runner or any number of things so it's not just with obviously with white people that was a good point you brought up a moment ago a lot of times we face those same uh facing we're facing those same stereotypes by our own people at the hands of our own people and that's pretty sad but it's something that's common very common and i think it goes back to what we said earlier about expectations right you see somebody in your mind you have an idea you have an idea of what that person could or should do and I've heard it a million times. I've heard people say, man, if I was six, five, I'd be in, I'd be playing college ball right now. If I was six, three, or, or they'll see somebody smaller and say, man, if that guy had a little more height on him, you know, he, he'd definitely be a D one prospect. He'd definitely be an NBA prospect simply because of physical stature. And so to your point, Rodium, you, you could be one of the most brilliant writers or chess players or uh, scholars for that matter, but we limit people based on what we see with our eyes. And that's and I think we do that a lot of times. And that's where a lot of our problems come in in this country in general. We try to we try to understand people from what we see and not from what we understand and hear. So immediately you see somebody that has a maybe larger hamstrings, kind of athletic build. You think, oh, Mm -hmm. they must they must be they must run track. No, maybe they just work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to uh, speak up about, so I've had this thing uh, when I was, and this is a, a stereotype, a personal stereotype that I'm really working to get better at now, but it's been a part of me for a very long time. So if you grow up in a certain sort of area or you have to pass through certain sorts of area and you're black, um, and I'm speaking from the perspective of a black man, you could be any race, I suppose, but speaking from the perspective of a black man, I know that I have um imbibed a lot of the or at least a couple some of the more stereotypical perspectives or even racist aspects uh that are so that are so deeply ingrained in our culture so i may be uh, i remember when i was a kid if you were going if i was going through a certain place i might see a gaggle of young black men like a whole crowd of them you know on a corner or um, in the middle of the sidewalk or in the middle of the street, and I had to pass by them or through them a lot of times because they sometimes they wouldn't move. You know, people get involved, and they're not thinking about some person coming along. And uh, I used to I used to really hate that because I, I walked a certain way, I looked a certain way, I was real beanpole, and I felt and knew in some cases that I was not of them, so to speak. And I've been told that, and I would hate uh, encountering large groups of black men and boys so and so that's something that has just been recently I mean, i'd say maybe the last five years where last five or six years it really doesn't bother me anymore but i know that i had uh uh imbibed some of those uh stereotypes i had and i began i had begun to you know push them out into the world having expectations of people now i didn't think that i would walk through any of these crowds or walk by these people and i would be jumped or hurt or any of those things but because of what it is that I've seen on television, because of some of what it is that I'd actually seen in, in life, although it never happened to me, um, that was something that I, I took 
I took in and I projected out on to other people. So what you were saying earlier about it being not just from white people, but right. us doing it as well, I am guilty of doing that. I don't do it anymore because, well, I've grown and I really don't care much. If I don't give too much of a damn about it, but that is you something made that a, I- a conscious yeah. effort on it though. Yeah, I made a conscious effort to correct that because yeah. there are times when I am also a part of groups. Now, maybe not so much now anymore, but I too am a part of groups that might be off to the side of a, 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 a corner or a street, or maybe it's my friends and I talking or my brothers and sister and I talking and or other family members. And there may be somebody else comes along. Maybe they're white, maybe they're black, maybe there's something else completely different. And so, suddenly the tables are turned. And I know at some point in time, if I've been looked at a certain way, like, okay, you might be a bit of a threat or there's something that's a little bit unsavory about you. I'm pretty confident it would have upset me. So I've had to, like you said, make a confident, yeah. a, a conscious choice and decision to not be that way, to not be a jerk, to give other people the benefit of the doubt, just as I would like the benefit of the doubt gifted to me. That's what's up. So you, you chose not to pass on that, that feeling that you once encountered yourself. By you know making a conscious effort to be like you know how this feels, so let me not, let me not, you know it might let you know what I'm saying. It, to other it, people. Yeah. It, it might it might make somebody who having a good day have a bad day, or have mm-hmm. a, having a bad day have a worse day. Like mm-hmm. it, it might be their breaking point just to see you know what I'm saying. Like why are you crossing the street now? Like I ain't mm-hmm. gonna hurt you. I ain't you know what I'm saying? You never know who people crazy, man. And people some of them, and some of them will ask you. Now I've never crossed the street. I'll maybe go around or maybe go through and they see me coming. They might part down the middle or maybe somebody will move out of the way. But yeah, someone might even ask you, you know, people are mm-hmm. bold. What, what are you running from? What are you afraid of? What, we, we don't want you. Now you have drawn, you've drawn attention to yourself. Now mm-hmm. you might yes. get hurt. Now you may be picked on or, or whatever, you know. But yeah, yeah I made a conscious uh, choice, decision not to okay. do that because I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me, you know. Well, speaking of making a conscious effort, there's a couple stigmas that I want to touch on. Um, African-Americans, black people don't tip. We hear it all the time. Black people don't tip well in restaurants. Uh, we, we hear uh, black people don't have good customer service. Um, black business owners don't have good customer service, or even if the goods that they're offering are, are quality goods, the service that they provide is not adequate to their white counterparts. There's other cultural things that we deal with as well. Like we're, we're not well-traveled. We're not well-versed. We don't know any other genre of music other than rap and hip hop. Like we don't know anything else other than R&B and soul. And, that, and that's not true. And so for me, it's trying to make a conscious effort, like you said, Brody, and as you mentioned, mentioned Dub, um, co- conscious effort for me is when I'm in a restaurant, if my, menus, if my meal's messed up, they made an error, they made a mistake, let me quantify how big of an issue this is. It's not that serious. Is it something that can be resolved quickly, quietly, without a big deal, without the manager coming over? Let's just resolve it and move on. I don't need you to comp my whole meal. I don't need my meal paid for free. My wife, <laughs> my, my date doesn't need her meal paid for free. My wife, whoever I'm on a date with, you know, for example, a lot of young men out there dating. If you're dating, your date doesn't need a whole her meal paid for free because they left off her, her crab leg or whatever it is on the meal. Um, I think we find ourselves in a situation where we then start to look like an, an opportunist. And, that, and that's not what we want to be. I want to be treated just like a fair patron like somebody else. I'm going to tip you well. I'm going to tip you the 18 or 15% or 20% gratuity that is expected of me. I'm not going to have a 50 or 60 or, or $100 meal and lay down $2 or $3. And I'm definitely not going to be the person that's going to mark a line through the tip and write a comment. Uh, you messed up my meal, bad service, bad customer service. That's not my style. 
That's not me. So I think what we need to do is we need to make what, a what, Why do you choose not to do that, though? I'm just curious. Because what I'm doing is I'm setting the precedence for people who come behind me. So if I'm the person that's writing in that tip line, I'm not leaving a tip because of X, Y, Z or the mistake that you made. Now, when people see other African-Americans coming in, they think, I don't want that section. Put me in another section. I don't want to wait on those people. Because after what if that's like a like a legitimate like you I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just curious. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if if you wrote down, you know, you brought my food late, it was sitting in the window for X amount of minutes. And by the time we got it, it was it was cold, you know, or I'm talking about like legit reasons for your service not to be satisfactory. So but you you saying you you wouldn't would you would you make a comment or would you just be like you know, like you saying, you would just make it a, a a quantitative measure. Like, okay, I was gonna give twelve dollars, but that right there, that's the, let's scratch off four, so now it's a clean eight. I've seen I've seen people in the past actually go to dinner and start off with twenty five or thirty dollars in the middle of the table, and they say, based on the customer service that I'm going to receive today, I'm going to take away a dollar or two or whatever based on what I'm getting today. I've seen that. Maybe that works for some, but the point I'm making is when we talk. <laughs> As an African-American man, you ask any waitress or waiter or waitstaff, they'll tell you, historically, African-Americans don't tip well. They just don't. And so my thing is this. I'm, I'm going to try to educate people on this right here. If you cannot afford to tip the adequate amount that's associated with the meal that you're about to receive, you shouldn't be at that restaurant. If you have just enough money to pay for a $100 steak at Ruth Chris and you can only tip five bucks, you shouldn't be there to begin with. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I I got a I got a an, an additional tip. If you want shit made so perfectly, you should make it at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm not saying like, I mean, I tip. I mean, I usually don't go with the highest margin available. Um, I usually keep it anywhere between fifteen percent, maybe eighteen, if I was really impressed. Anything other than that, I mean, you got to. I have to feel like you blew me, you blew me away. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me to go anything higher than 18%. And that's just me. I mean, I'm not saying I have extremely high standards. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, you're right. I could have, I could have made it. Well, actually I probably couldn't have made it at home. Uh, some of the meals that, you know, we talking about like a real meal meal. Like I may not have the, the culinary expertise to actually whip up some of those type of meals and, and especially the time frame that they do, it, you know, so, um, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just, I was well, just I'm, curious. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just, just saying curious. like, like don't, don't pitch a fit when, when something minor goes wrong, mm -hmm. like what, what's something minor that can go wrong? If you get your drink or maybe bring you the wrong drink. Yeah. They bring you the wrong drink and you just, just go ape shit on every, on on the oh uh, yeah staff. yeah yeah you know what I'm saying of course yeah I ain't saying be a dick like oh you you mix my drink up guess what you about to I'm about to make this fun you know like <laughs> like I ain't <laughs> like don't be don't be don't don't uh bridge that into the next stigma you know what I'm saying the next mm -hmm. the well, next stigma of that let me just, let me just mention um uh speak on that just for a moment man. I can agree with if your service is satisfactory, you really, you really, you really should tip um, 
if the person's done a great job, you really should tip. There's, there's no disputing that as far as I'm concerned. But because of this particular stigma, uh, since I've been old enough, since I've been making my own money, I should say, which has been a long time now, when, uh, and this has been pointed out to me by folks I've gone to restaurants with time and time again, family, friends, dates, X, Y, and Z, uh, I tend to overshoot the tip. I tend to tip way too much. And the reason that I tip, I'm, um, and it always needs to be pointed out to me, you know. Um, but the reason I've done that for two reasons. First and foremost, I know that there's a stigma when it comes to Black people and restaurants not tipping. And there's a possibility that the waiter or waitress or bartender might have just experienced that with a person of any race or a color. But I want to offset any, I want to offset that particular stigma. I realized I was doing that a long time ago. So I'm tipping not just for myself, but for every other black person comes into the establishment who wants to eat. And that's a bad habit. Um, and the other thing is, if the wait staff has done a great job, then I would like to reward them. If I've enjoyed my meal or I've enjoyed my um, alcoholic beverage or whatever it is that I happen right. to buy, then I want to reward them. I want, I want them to be okay. I want them to know you've done a great job. And I've waited before, so I know what it is uh, to not be paid, to be paid pennies and to have to split uh, the tips among the wait staff, and you know that's that's important. So, um, but the, first and foremost, the biggest reason I overtip, and I still do it now. I don't go out and eat very often at all. I tend to make my own meals at home more often than not. I go out and eat on special occasions, but I overtip even now, even though I'm aware that I'm doing it, and people bring it to my attention. They draw it to my attention because I want to dismiss or punch a hole in that assumption that's made and about I feel you. I feel you. I, which is and, not fair. To me, or it's to anyone not. else who may do that, you know, it, you know that that's not fair in both ways to you. One that you catching the stigma in the first place, and two that you overcompensating mm -hmm. for the previous person or the next person who didn't mm -hmm. get an opportunity, um, who didn't present themselves in the best light. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all, all the comments been said, but I do think some things need to be put in place. Uh, whether you, whatever your race or ethnicity is, I think there's certain things that are just universal across the board. Like, for example, if you pick up takeout, this is going to be an interesting topic. If you go pick up and you call the food in, they prepared the meal, they bagged it for you. It's minuscule and as nominal as you may see that task as. It's customary to leave a tip. And ask me how I know that. Because I've asked somebody who works at a restaurant, and I said, you know, I know I'm picking up this takeout. I know you just put it in the back of my cutlery and, and, and my napkins, but do most people tip? Yeah, most people tip. I mean, it's customary to tip because, and so I've gotten in that habit. Anytime I see a tip line, I always feel obligated to put a couple of dollars down. And so, again, I think like Brody mentioned, I'm trying to dispel that concept and that, that, that ideology that African-Americans don't tip. The black people don't know how to tip. Like, we just don't do that. And so, like, even if you're, let's say you're going to a hotel and they're getting your bags out of the, the, the ride, the limo, the Uber, you do realize you're supposed to give that person a couple of dollars when they take your bags out of the, out of the car. And I just think, I think there's a lot of things we just don't, we don't know from a cultural perspective. It's not so much that we, we can't do it. You know, we spend a couple of dollars on anything, but I think it's culturally we don't, we're not privy to a lot of these things that people cust just customarily do. Right. Uh, I mean, I ain't gonna front. I ain't gonna tip on no takeout. 
Like, I ain't even gonna sugarcoat. Like, <laughs> hey, I mean, I'll t- if you brought me my food, if you checked on me periodically while I was eating, if you refilled my glass, if you asked, you know, how's everything? Is everything like, okay, you, you making sure I'm enjoying my meal. Mm-hmm. That takeout bag, they ain't making sure shit for me. I mean, I ain't gonna front. I, I'm not gonna get takeout and be like, let me tip. Cause the cook don't even work off tips. And the cook is the really one who actually did the work, to be honest with you. And like somebody bring in a bag. If they would have been like, hey, uh, we normally get tips, but if you want, your bag is over there on the table. I'm be like, okay, let me go get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna be like, well, let, you know, we're, and that's just, I'm not knocking you for doing it. I'm just saying me personally, like take out, hell no. That's for me, That that's, that's the equivalent of, you know, me going, to like uh, um, any other establishment, you know, saying and 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 paying for, you know, if I go to the movies, do I tip the movie person for putting my popcorn in the bag and walking it to the counter? Hell no, I don't do that either. Like to me, I'm not gonna do that for takeout. <laughs> I will say, um, I can. That's I don't do that either. When I get, I don't. I rarely ever pick things up. Uh, if it's being delivered to my home or delivered to the whatever place I'm occupying at the moment, or if I'm sitting down in a restaurant, or if there's a um, an Uber Eats or a um, a DoorDash or you know Grubhub, I'll tip them. I'll tip them. But if I have to go and get it, and yeah. they're holding it for me when I get there, that's not something that I can't recall. I can't recall ever doing that. I, I don't agree with the any- delivery. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that because there I don't think there's anything anything wrong with doing it, but I didn't know that people did that. Having oh, yeah. never done it myself, you know. Oh yeah, back, back to the stigma. I always do. Back to mm-hmm. back to the stigma. Anytime I see a tip line, always first thing goes in my mind is they're not expecting me to leave anything, or they're expecting me. I've seen people have a meal, and they bring them the change back, and they literally put the pennies and the quarters and the nickels down as a tip. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ask yourself. I mean, come on, man. Come on, come on. And and it's the other part of it too. Um, do you tip your barber? No, I, I don't tip I, my barber. I, I tip my barber. Fuck no. Mm-mm. So I, I know, I know, that, I know that people do do that. People do do. Yeah, that, they do. Of course, yeah, I, I, they do it all the time. I don't. Yeah, I paid I don't for either. a haircut. I didn't pay like that. Dusted. I ain't. I ain't been to a. Let me put this out there first. I ain't <laughs> been to a barber shop in probably about. Shit, I say maybe twenty years. But um, because I was like, fuck it, I just do my own head. Then I just started. Let me stop you. Doing my own thing. All right. Let's let's, let's take a quick break. Um, We can pick it back up on on the other side. Until next time main satellite yeah all right fellas all right good night bro all right take it easy bro all right